0: And welcome to Monday. It's the Piero Palka Podcast. Mike here, and I'm not doing radio this week. I'm not booked to be on any stations this week, unless you count my morning visits on uh, San Antonio. Yes, I'm on San Antonio pretty much every morning, WOAI. And then Friday, I'll be joining Drew Steele at 8.30 Eastern, I always do that with Drew. We we hang out for the last half hour of the week and kick off the weekend. But really, I'm not going to be back doing a full show until next Monday, a week from today, when I sit in for Nick Kale for a week on Kale & Company. So if you're looking for a full four-hour show, come back Monday. If you're looking for some podcasts with some daily, daily craziness, uh, join me here, because this is where you'll find me and share the word with your friends. Now today, after a weekend like we had, wow, what a crazy weekend, uh, Hurricane Hillary, slamming California, a lot of uh, destruction, but thankfully it doesn't appear to be a lot of death. They're still cleaning up in Maui. The death toll is rising as uh, the searches continue. I think there are under 1,000 people missing now. But Joe Biden's gonna show up today for about six and a half hours. Six and a half hours. He's going to fly Air Force One. This is the guy who tells us that we need to shrink our carbon footprint because of the weather. He's going to fly Air Force One for several hours. He already flew from Washington to Nevada where he's staying at the home of a wealthy environmentalist billionaire donor, Tom Steyer, the guy he thought he was going to run for president at one time. And then people went, no, he's too crazy. But he's a super rich guy and Joe and Jill are staying at his $8 million mansion in Lake Tahoe. And uh, they told us they paid fair market value. Sure. Sure. Show us the receipts, please. We're we're not buying it. And and we really aren't buying it. Uh, But anyway, Tom Steyer's $18 million Lake Tahoe mansion. Then a little side trip leaving today, flying from uh, Reno the Reno airport to uh, Hawaii, that is a flight that's going to take about six hours and he'll spend about six hours there as well and then fly back. So all the carbon that he's putting out, that's what's causing all this weather stuff, right, Joe? No, of course not. Oh, by the way, uh, Joe Biden and uh, Jill Biden flew out to uh, Lake Tahoe Hunter showed up separately so Hunter is there too they're trying to give him a lower profile remember for a while there uh, you couldn't see Joe without seeing Hunter you saw Joe without seeing uh, Jill many times but not without Hunter and now Hunter with all of the problems he's created with all of the uh, Biden crime family allegations uh, they're trying to keep him undercover. So he stayed at the White House for a few weeks after the plea deal was agreed upon. Nobody knew he was there. Now he flew secretly to Lake Tahoe to stay at the uh, finest lakefront property in as well that's what the description is in the gated community of Glenbrook. 18 million dollar home. I'm sure he paid market value to rent it for their vacation. But Joe's gonna be in Hawaii. We'll see what happens after he comes back from Maui. He's uh, reportedly going to announce someone is going to be uh, named the coordinator of the recovery. Don't we have somebody in charge of FEMA? Doesn't FEMA have offices in every state? Don't we already have enough bureaucracy? Uh, This is all a show. The whole thing is a show. So just know that's what's happening. And then he'll be back on vacation for a few days because, you know, he he only he only takes about 40 percent of uh, vacation time every year. And yes, I realize the White House travels with the president. But look, there's a lot going on. We've got wildfires in New Jersey. We've still got dirty air from Canadian wildfires. You got the flooding in Nevada and California. You have Maui and dead bodies everywhere. The most in over a century from a fire. You've got the uh, problems overseas, Ukraine, Russia, China. Need I go on and on? We're still worried about North Korea nuking everything. And then you've got Iran that we're paying billions of dollars to maybe give back the people they've been holding hostage. And what's he doing? Taking a vacation with his 53 year old disgraced son, who is still facing several legal challenges. I know that what about some people are saying, well, well, uh, you know, what about Donald Trump? Isn't he uh, under indictment? Several, yes, he is. Four of them, 91 counts. And you guys are making up a lot of it as you go. Let's be honest. You know it. We know it. The goal is to keep Donald Trump from being a candidate without a conviction. They want him to be a candidate who's been convicted so they can then put it in every ad with whomever is running against him. Because I still don't think it's gonna be Joe Biden. I also don't think it's gonna be Donald Trump. A lot of people mad at me. I would like Mr. Trump to bring his policies back to the White House, but I honestly believe that both these guys are so, so overwhelmed with what they're facing that it won't be either one. And I'm not sure it's gonna be any of the GOP candidates we currently see coming up on the debate stage this week stay tuned for that but there is news there is news that uh, cnn has told us that donald trump was right jake tapper actually said this over the weekend
1: and and, uh, Kristen, uh, glenn kessler from the washington post uh, had a fact check about joe biden uh, from earlier this month um, noting that hunter biden admitted in court in july that he was in fact paid substantial sums uh, from chinese companies Kessler wrote, Hunter Biden reported nearly $2.4 million in income in 2017 and $2.2 million in income in 2018, most of which came from Chinese or Ukrainian interests. But this, and this directly goes against what Joe Biden said in the debate in 2020 uh, with uh, Donald Trump. Take a listen. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about... Uh, what are you talking about? China. What you mean,
0: he made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow. That is simply and various not true.
1: So it's from two different debates. But I mean, Trump was right. I mean, he did make a fortune from China and Joe Biden was wrong. I don't know that he was lying about it. He might not have been told by Hunter, but this blind spot is a problem.
0: Yes, yes. Wow, look, CNN waking up. Well, if CNN can wake up. Maybe they can wake up over at, I don't know, uh, NBC. Maybe even Meet the Press will have a moment like CNN had. Maybe, maybe Chuck Todd and his, uh, his magical panels. Over at CNN, we'll, or over at uh, Meet the Press and NBC, will also have an
1: awakening. This stuff has taken a huge toll on him. You know, Biden, right before the 2020 election, he was right side up, which in our polarized politics is quite astonishing. His numbers now look more like Hillary Clinton, 16, than Biden, 20. That doesn't look good for him. I mean, no, it
0: doesn't. It doesn't look good. And uh, just adds more fuel to my claim, my belief, that this is going to change that both of the lead candidates right now, Biden currently isn't uh, being allowed to have any competition, even though Robert Kennedy's still polling pretty strongly for a guy they're trying to sit on his head. Kennedy could launch a, a reasonable challenge, and so could Gavin Newsom, and so could several other Democrat governors, if they would be allowed to, but they're not. And we'll see what happens with Mr. Trump. By the way, Wednesday, I'm going to be watching the Tucker Carlson-Donald Trump interview instead of watching the debate live. I'll I'll get the highlights from the debate later. What are you going to do? Will you do the same? And Mr. Trump now saying on Sunday night on Truth Social posted a truth saying he's not going to do any of the primary debates, meaning he won't debate until he's the candidate. Isn't that kind of interesting? Yeah, I think it is and it's his right to do that. He is the guy who's already been through the process and managed to navigate it when the media gave him less than 1% chance when he started and then he won the whole thing. So he can choose to only debate once he is the candidate, if he wins enough of the delegates and based on the polling right now, you presume he will. The other guy who thinks, oh, he's got a real shot, apparently, is Chris Christie. Chris Christie, uh, this past weekend, saying he's willing to change Social Security and Medicare to save both of those. That's a bold statement, because nobody else seems to want to talk about it. Uh, Chris Christie, also not happy that Donald Trump isn't going to be debating, calling him a coward.
1: You're so great, why are all these people running? Nobody ran against him in 2020. Why are all these people running now? I mean, he needs to answer those questions. And he owes it to the voters to do it and uh, not showing up in front of the largest audience that any of us will have seen at this point, including him, is not the way to do it. Now, he can make whatever strategic decisions he wants, but uh, he's a coward.
0: He's a coward. Come on. Trying to engage him. You just want him to come up with another name for you. I could do it, but I won't. I really won't. Alan Dershowitz revealed last week the real... Real reason why the Democrats are trying to light up Mr. Trump with all these indictments. And uh, I mentioned it earlier, but let's just give you the actual statement from the Dersh.
1: There'll be some convictions. I think the strategy is to get bad convictions,
0: but to get them fast in New York, in Florida, in Washington, and in Fulton County. Then they'll be reversed on appeal, but they'll be reversed on appeal after the election. That's why everybody's rushing to get these cases tried. We now know that they want to try it within six months in Georgia. They want a trial in January in Washington, D.C. They want a trial in May in Florida. New York has been willing to put it off, but they're going to get on the bandwagon, too. Everybody who is going after Trump, the whole get Trump approach, is to get him before the election, convict him before the election, and he wins on appeal. All right, that's tomorrow's news. Yeah, but it's really not, because I really think what's going to happen here. And Donald Trump has the right to defend himself and he needs a lot of time to do so. The people bringing the charges had two and a half years. Mr. Trump, well, they want to give him two months. He deserves a lot more. So many stories out there that I would love to spend some time on, but there's one that really worries me and it's one that relates to one of the most important freedoms we have. The freedom to defend ourselves. I talk about the Second Amendment a lot. I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment. I'm a concealed carry permit holder. I believe you should be trained. I believe you should practice how to use your firearm. I believe you should be educated in the use of a firearm before you are allowed to carry it around in public. But the state where I live, Delaware, has just passed two laws signed by the governor last Friday that appear to be very restrictive to people who want to Uh, let's say, exercise their Second Amendment rights. These new laws would make it a crime, would turn me into a criminal, if I am concealed carrying within a thousand feet of a school, of a place that does entertainment business, and of a polling place a thousand feet now they they have some little hinky stuff inside saying that if you drive by you know if the cars if your car is on the road within a thousand feet and your firearm is inside you're okay or if you're in your house you'll be okay but you know we all know people who've shot from inside cars they're called drive-bys right but a thousand feet a thousand feet would basically make it almost impossible to walk in a city and carry your concealed weapon and if you're licensed that would suddenly turn you into a licensed felon in this case i i I know the example i'm using seems kind of weird but my wife runs a children's theater in wilmington delaware and across the street is a a drugstore like a cvs or a walgreens one of those and if i walk over to the cvs to purchase something I'm within a 1,000 feet of an entertainment facility, the theater. I'm breaking the law. And also on the other corner is a school. I believe it's within a 1,000 feet of that same school as well. These are just unworkable. I don't fully understand them, so I need an expert to help us out. Our our friend uh, John Lott Jr. is the guy I go to for everything as it relates to firearms as it relates to the Second Amendment and he's with crimeresearch.org so in just a, a, a second or two we'll get him in here John Lott to explain if I'm going to be a criminal or not and what you should be worried about in your states because this thinking is apparently bleeding into so many other operations around the country so many other states are already jumping on this bandwagon it's not that they're going to ban the guns They're just going to make it pretty much impossible for you to use the guns or even to carry them. Kind of crazy. All right, it's Mike Opelka here on the Monday edition, and it will be a busy week, a very busy week of the Pure Opelka podcast. I am uh, committed to doing as much as I can to preserve our republic, to save our country from the efforts of those who would, Take away all of the greatness of this country who would strip you of your rights and your privileges as a citizen and try and sell you on the big lie that you're better off just listening to what government will tell you to do instead of having agency in your life, having the ability to take care of yourself. It's kind of a libertarian thing, I know. Conservatives don't always understand libertarians, but I consider myself a conservatarian a conservative libertarian, I believe in huge freedom and tiny government. And that means I'm more reliant on myself, which means I might be as successful as I can be, and I also might be as big of a failure as I will allow myself to be. But I'm okay with that. And one of those areas of freedom is the ability to protect yourself. And the Second Amendment... Right after that beautiful First Amendment, the Second Amendment is so important. And uh, I have been a a follower, a supporter of the Second Amendment for decades now. I, I have said this openly. I am a concealed carry permit holder who believes that uh, you have a responsibility when you do own a firearm to know how to use it and to know all the laws of your of your state. And on Friday, the state where I live, Delaware, just just about, I'm about six miles from the Pennsylvania line, uh, the state of Delaware enacted a law that will make me a criminal, pretty much. And I'm, I'm very nervous about this. I, I just I can't believe this went through. But then, you know, elections have consequences. And Delaware is controlled by Democrats uh, locally and on the national level as well our our governor our our state legislature is controlled by democrats and they have done everything they can to strip away the rights the second amendment rights of of me and everybody else who lives in the very first state i don't fully understand what the next options are when it comes to fighting this law that went through. So I reached out to, um, about an hour ago to a guy I respect greatly. His name is John Lott Jr. You should follow him on Twitter, John R. Lott Jr. And uh, he has got uh, great information always as it relates to the Second Amendment. And uh, he's graciously carving out some time to be with us to discuss this and some of the other issues in the um, self-protection world that we <laughs> We refer to the Second Amendment. and uh, John, welcome, sir. Great
1: to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on.
0: I I sent you the article out of BizPack Review about the Delaware law. Uh, A year ago, I had to make sure I was carrying proof of when I purchased my AR-15 after they outlawed the sale and ownership of AR-15s in the state. I was grandfathered into that. And so at least I have the ability to still have and use my Air 15 But now I'm worried uh, about my ability to carry a firearm in this state. And you sent me a really disturbing graphic just a few minutes ago. It seems like everywhere I drive, I could be in trouble.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's unfortunately, it's not just uh, Delaware. You have New York and New Jersey and Maryland have adopted similar laws where Last year, we had a decision by the Supreme Court called the Bruin decision, which said that you had to have objective rules for granting people concealed carry permits. You had seven states, uh, including New York, which was the uh, defendant in the case, which had what they called may issue laws, where you have to go to some public official and explain to them why you have a need for being able to go and protect yourself outside your home and in those seven states they were extremely restrictive in terms of granting concealed handgun permits you'd have you know a fraction of one percent of the adult population that would go and get it whereas nationwide outside of new york and uh california you have about 11 percent of the adult population with a concealed handgun permit and uh and so uh uh the Supreme Court said, look, people don't have to give you a good reason. If they're, you know, if they pass a certain age, if they pass a background check, if they pay the fee, if they meet other objective criteria like training or something, then, you know, you can, you, you have to issue them a permit. Uh, and so what happened was uh, rather than kind of go along with that, these states for these states have passed rules that. Say, okay, we'll give you a permit, but you just won't be able to carry it anyplace. And so, I mean, I can give you maps of cities around the country where if you have a 100-foot rule around schools, it's basically impossible to drive from uh, one side of a city to another because there's so many schools. People, I don't think, realize how many schools there are. And, of course, the schools are right next to a road. And if, you know, if it's 100 feet, most likely it completely covers the road that's there. If you're talking about 1,000 feet, you know, that's a fifth of a mile. Uh, I You know, I didn't bring out a rule or anything, but I sent you a map with uh, schools in Wilmington, for example. And, that, and my guess is it'll be completely impossible to drive any distance at all in Wilmington without uh, running afoul of the law. They want to let you have it, but you'll just be able to carry it in your front yard, basically.
0: See, I can't even carry it in my front yard. I'm telling you, my my studio, my home studio is less than 500 feet away from the town hall, which houses the polling stations, the polling area during elections. And every other week, there's a concert there. There's somebody playing to 200 people uh, and playing music so if if I'm at home and they're having a concert I'm breaking the law just by having that firearm and it it might not even be loaded or with me. it might be sitting in my gun safe but i'm I'm mm-hmm. technically violating the law and there's there's no accommodation for any kind of reasonable protection of your own home and it's uh it's right. very concerning to me
1: yeah well you know here here's the bottom line, and that is uh was there any problem with concealed carry permit holders in Delaware? No. I mean, there's been no problem with concealed carry permits holders in New York and New Jersey or Pennsylvania or, you know, any of these states. In fact, what we find is that permit holders across the country, and last year there were about 22 million concealed carry permit holders. And that's, on top of that, You have now you have 27 constitutional carry states where you don't even need to have a permit to be able to carry. So, God only knows how many more tens of millions of people beyond the 22 million are, are carrying. But with the 22 million people, we can go and look. Were they convicted of crimes? Were they, did they do something that caused them to have their permit revoked? And what you find is that while police are rarely convicted of firearms-related violations, police are convicted of firearm-related violations at about 1 20th the rate of the general population. Concealed carry permit holders are convicted of firearms-related violations at just one-twelfth the rate that police are. So they're like one-two-hundred-and-fortieth the rate of the general population. That's unbelievable. So uh, these are law-abiding people that if they go and do something wrong, you know, it's easy to become a felon uh, if you use a gun improperly. uh, And they have a lot to lose. And so they're extremely careful in doing it. So he... You know, if I was there in the state legislatures and and I testified uh, in Delaware uh, and before both the state Senate and state House earlier this year, my point, uh, though they kept me to an extremely brief amount of time that they allowed me to talk for like two minutes or something, that uh, was, look, is there a problem? Can you point to any problems? Are there permit holders that you're having problems with? And It wasn't even an issue to debate. They didn't even try to bring up evidence that permit holders were creating a problem. So, you know, my response is, why are you passing this law that will essentially take away people's ability to go and defend themselves outside the home when uh, you can't even point to a problem with the current existing law that somehow you want to change? But here's the other basic point beyond the fact that this law had no justification for getting passed to begin with. The other justification is who benefits the most from having the opportunity to protect themselves. And if my research convinces me of anything, it's the most vulnerable people in our society. It's basically two groups. People who are relatively weaker physically, women and the elderly. You're almost always talking about male criminals doing the attack. And when a man is attacking a female victim, there's a much bigger strength difference that exists there on average. than when a man's attacking another man in the presence of a gun, represents a much bigger relative change in a woman's ability to go and protect herself. And the other group of people are the ones who are most likely victims of violent crime, and that overwhelmingly tends to be poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas. So Democrats claim that they care about minorities, poor minorities. They claim that they care about women. And yet, you know, those are the types of people who they're disarming, who are going to be harmed the most. You know, it would be great if the police were there all the time, but they're not. And police themselves are extremely strong supporters of of concealed carry. The reason why they are is they know how law-abiding the permit holders are, and they know that they can't be there all the time, even though the police are extremely important in stopping crime. And they see how important guns are to their own safety. and So they support by overwhelming numbers.
0: It's more than troubling to me. And and I I am uh, very concerned about it. And I'll be trying to organize whatever support I can for whomever is going to challenge these laws. I know with Maryland and New Jersey there are reports of challenges. But I also want to make sure I've I've got this right. About six years ago, Katie Pavlich from Townhall.com, Katie Pavlich wrote a book laying out the the actual statistics on uh, shootings in gun-free zones because what this new law basically makes most of Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware, right. anyway, a gun-free zone, and or you're not allowed to at least carry it with you. And in that case, this makes every place that is allegedly being now protected, I'm using air quotes with my fingers here, every place, every school, every entertainment venue, every um, uh, polling place, is now a gun-free zone, which makes it attractive to criminals. That's where most of the mass shootings happen in gun-free zones. Am I wrong on that, John?
1: No, I'm the one who's put together the statistics on gun-free zones and mass public shootings. And you know, unfortunately, you're right. Look, these criminals may be crazy in some sense, but they're not stupid. Their goal—anybody who's read the diaries, anybody who's read their manifestos—knows very clearly their goal is to get media coverage. And they know the more people they kill, and they explicitly say things like, if I can only kill more people than such and such did, I can get even more media coverage. They say that over and over and over again. And so they want to kill lots of people to get the media coverage, and so where do they go? They go to places where guns are banned. I was just uh, sent you a, a tweet that you retweet. were nice enough to retweet where every town, Bloomberg, one of Bloomberg's many gun control groups, uh, was out there talking about the Buffalo mass murderer from last year and saying that, you know, we just didn't have enough gun control law. That was the problem. <laughs> Read the murderer's manifesto. His manifesto had a long discussion in there about why he picked the target that he did. Why did he pick it? He wanted to go he said he wanted to go to a place where people wouldn't have permanent concealed handguns. He says he wants to go to a place where there's strict gun control. He wants to go to a place where the victims can't defend themselves because that's going to make it easier for him to go and kill people. They have this lawsuit, which all they're trying to do is make it costly for gun dealers and gun sellers to operate by imposing these legal costs on them to try to bankrupt them. But they ignore the murder's own comments. And the thing is, he's not the only one. On our website at crimeresearch.org, we have literally dozens of statements from these murders. So you have two things: one is, you know, in, in the vast majority of the states, these gun-free zones are relatively small areas. You know, they may be, you know, three, four, five percent of the of the state, and yet, where do these attacks occur? If you have, you know. Uh, uh, eight malls uh and one of them is uh banned for people being able to have guns. Is it random that that's where the mass public shooting occurs? no and not only do you see that about ninety four percent of the mass public shootings take place in areas where guns are banned, but you also have the statements from these killers explaining why they did
0: that it is so embarrassing, and I just want everybody to remember I know Pennsylvania has some tight laws. But guess what? If it's in New Jersey, if it's in Delaware, if it's in Maryland and New York State, it's coming to Pennsylvania as well. It's just a matter of time until they get the ability to move it through the state house and they will do so. John Lott, where do we follow you? Where do we get all your statistics? Aside from Twitter, which you're great on Twitter, but where, where's the best site for us to go and follow all of your stuff?
1: Thanks, Mike. Uh, they can go to our website at crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. I have all our statistics there. Uh, uh, we've been doing it for a decade. I, think, I hope people will find it useful, but it's crimeresearch.org.
0: It is very useful. It's very important, and we appreciate it. I hope the next time I'm writing you it's not from a holding cell somewhere because i <laughs> dare to, to to exercise my uh, 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 licensed carry permit somewhere in the state. Thank you, John Lott. We, right. we, we cannot thank you enough for all your dedication here.
1: Well, thank you for being there, Mark.